being in a conflict of interests is not a trust issue. How you handle it is. This episode will explain what a conflict of interests is, how it relates to trust, and how the way you are handling it will affect your trustworthiness. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, the author of The Book of Trust and facilitator of The Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? I'll start with a few examples of uh, conflicts of interest and, and then talk about definitions. Well, I want to buy a new computer, but I don't want to spend the money. So there is a conflict there. On one hand, my interest is in getting a new computer. On the other hand, my interest is that I don't spend the money. Do I have a conflict of interests? Well, I kind of do, but is that the one that we need to talk about? Probably not. I'll give you another one. I want to write another book. Unfortunately, the best time for me to write books is when I uh, wake up at 4 a.m. and I start writing between 4 a.m. and 8 a.m. So I want to write another book. I need another book. I just don't want to get up at 4 a.m. for the next three, four months. Is that a conflict of interest? Well, obviously, I have conflicting interests, but it's not the kind we're talking about. Let's touch on the ones we are talking about. Used to be an executive. Uh, and as an executive, I made decisions that would affect revenue, profitability, other things that would affect the price of the stock that I already have in the, co in the company. So those decisions affect my stock, the value of my stock, or, or I, I can say my net value uh, overall. So is that a conflict of interest we need to address? Don't worry, I'll explain it. The last one I'm going to give you, I'm a politician, I'm in a position to make a decision, uh, to uh, enact a law, and it is contrary to the position of my political party. So I'm a member of one political party, the decision I'm about to make is, and it's actually not necessarily contrary, it may be contrary, it may be aligned with the position of a political party. The question is, do I make a politically driven decision? So these are several examples. And let's start with what is really a conflict of interest that does affect trust and trustworthiness. I mean, the, the fact that I need a new computer and I don't want to spend the money does not change my trustworthiness in any other in any way. And, and you already know that trust is something that's measured in the eyes of the beholder, in the eyes of the trustor, the person that needs to trust. So the first two examples uh, really affected nobody. So who am I going to be more or less trusted by? So dictionary definitions. One definition is, and I like this one, a situation in which a person is in, in a position to derive personal benefit from actions or decisions made in their official capacity. So I get some kind of an official capacity. I am in a situation where I get personal benefit. I, I would say or avoid the personal uh, downside. 
Investopedia, obviously with more uh, focus on, on financial conflicts of interest, have a great definition that I like. I'm reading it word for word. A conflict of interest occurs when an entity or individual becomes unreliable. That's kind of untrusted, right? Unreliable because of a clash between personal or self-serving interests and professional duties or responsibilities. Such a conflict occurs when a company or a person has a vested interest, such as money, status, uh, knowledge, relationship, reputation, which puts into question whether their actions, judgment, and or decision-making can be unbiased. So we're kind of taking one of the components of being trustworthy, and that is being unbiased. And we're asking ourselves, can that person be unbiased when they can be benefiting from a decision that they're making in other people's favor? Remember, as part of their professional duties or responsibilities. And the last one, Merriam-Webster, uh, I like this one too, a conflict between the private interests and the official responsibilities of a person in a position of, wait for it, trust. So Merriam-Webster actually already linked it to trust, but, but they're saying you're in a position of trust and there's a conflict of interest. So, you know, I looked at all those, those definitions and decided that based on those definitions, I'm going to come up with the conditions to the type of a conflict of interest that we should worry about that affects trust, and what's not a conflict of interest. So here are four conditions. One, you are in a decision-making position or you have decision-making responsibility. That's important. That's part of it. Two, the decisions will affect other people. I mean, if the decisions only affect me, then that's not the conflict of interest that would affect my trustworthiness. Three, the decisions will affect, they will have an effect on me or people that you care about. So it's not only that I make decisions that affect other people, but they will also affect me or people that I care about. So it may not necessarily be me. You know, I may make decisions in favor of somebody that I care about. So it's not me, although we can say that through proxy it is me because I'm doing a favor to somebody uh, I care about. Um, and as a result, uh, it, it's really affecting me. Finally, that as a result of my decisions or as a result of this conflict of interest, my decisions are affected by things other than the purpose for which I am put in that position to make those decisions. So I was elected, I was appointed, I was hired to make certain decisions, uh, and other people trust me with those decisions, and those decisions are actually affected by things other than the reason for which I'm making them. There is a wide range of decisions in, uh, that, that involve or don't involve conflict of interest. And so I want to show you that there are two extremes, and, and those extremes are opposite. Uh, 
One extreme is what, uh, you know, you heard that on the news uh, recently, uh, a witch hunt. And I'm, I'm not taking a political position and whether whatever has just happened was a witch hunt or not. No, I'm just calling it a witch hunt. And witch hunt is when people believe, you, you know, it, it goes back to history. What was a witch hunt? Uh, how were you hunting for witches? But uh, the... When people refer to witch hunt, what they mean is that you are hunting me, you're going after me for other reasons than if I did something wrong or not. That's one extreme. But there is another extreme to conflict of interest. And that is, I'm going to call it getting away with murder. And that's the opposite extreme because now you're helping me, you're doing something in my favor for other reasons than what you were supposed to consider when you made a decision. So, you know, I've done something really, really bad, but you're in a position to make that determination and you let me get away with murder. You give me a get out of jail card. Those are two extremes of um, conflict of interest, of, of the consequences of cons conflicts of interest. Either way... Either you, and this is what makes it a conflict of interest, either you or someone close to you, and again, that's kind of a proxy to you through your relationship with them, are affected by the outcome of that decision. You know, one of the first problems that I would have to ask is, are there really any decisions that you're not affected by? Right there in the middle, we're going to put the evidence or truth-based decision-making. And that is when you make the decision completely objectively, you're not affected by them. And, and again, that takes me back to the problem. Are there any decisions that you're not affected by? You know, I served on the school board uh, for four years and I can't think of any decision that I would not be directly, indirectly, strongly or even in a very weak manner affected by. So I, I, you are affected by decisions that you're making. So it's very hard to find that, that middle ground where the decisions are completely, completely objective. They're completely evidence or truth-based and you are absolutely not going to be affected directly or through other people. In the extreme, I'm going to call it the witch hunt on one end and the getting away with murder or get out of jail free card. Um, those are the high conflicts of interest. Uh, this is when your decisions are obviously biased. Uh, for, for, for good, for better or worse. So those could be positive decisions and negative decisions. And only in the middle is where you have a low conflict of interest. Where When you can really make an objective decision that's based on evidence or truth and not really affected by any other factor. What is the mechanism through which you are making that uh, that decision or, or uh, you, you decide within a conflict of interest. We start with a conflict of interest. There is a certain conflict of interest. What happens is, uh, in most cases, I'm going to say it's probably conscience, but in some cases it could even be subconscious. You suffer from something that's called confirmation bias. Because you're affected, or the more you're affected by the outcome of those decisions, the more you're going to kind of already decide before you even know what the evidence is or what truth really is, 
and you are being very selective in the sources of support for your decision. So the conflict of interests causes a confirmation bias, again, uh, visible or known or conscious or even subconscious, that leads you to make your decision. So you're, you may be deciding based on evidence, but you're very selective in the evidence, in, in selecting the evidence. So you're selective in how you choose what evidence to use in rendering that decision. So you might even have the appearance of making objective decision-making, but in reality you're not because, you know, the set of facts, uh, the weight that you give different facts or different evidence uh, varies and is influenced by the conflict of interest you're in and by the outcome you desire to get. So that's the mechanism. That's how conflict of interest affects your decision-making. And granted, in many cases, it is very, very conscious and it is very, very deliberate and intentional. And the person who's doing it knows what they're doing. They know that they're being very selective in, uh, in, in their evidence, the evidence that they use. And they know that they're being very uh, biased in how they make their decisions. But not in all cases. Let's apply this to my model of trustworthiness, the six-component uh, trust habits model, uh, and, and connect the conflict of interests with trust. By the way, the, the right terminology is conflict of interests, interests in plural. It's not conflict of interest. I know I heard many people refer to it as conflict of interest. A single interest cannot conflict with itself, so it's multiple interests. Uh, that was a public uh, service uh, announcement. Anyway, back to uh, COI and COI conflict of interest and trust. When people believe that you act or decide objectively without a conflicting agenda, without a stake in a certain outcome, one way or another, they will trust you. When they believe that you act or decide not objectively and not necessarily subjectively, or, but, but, but you're biased and you have a conflicting agenda and you, are, you do have a vested interest in the outcome one way or another, they do not trust you. This might apply to your decision-making process. This might apply to the outcome of the decision-making process, especially when people are not privy to the process itself, how you went through the process. So the process may require closed-door uh, meetings and decisions. The process may be completely, completely objective. Uh, no conflict of interest will affect the outcome. But when the, when the outcome comes out, people look at it, and really the only thing they have to judge by, judge your trustworthiness by, is the outcome. They believe that there was a conflict of interest. They believe that you are not objective and, uh, and, and truthful when you made that decision, that, that you're unbiased. They believe that you were biased, and therefore they don't trust you based on the outcome. They may not trust you because of the process, if they can see the process and they can see what you're considering and how you're considering it, because it's very transparent in case that, that is. The outcome might be an outcome that they would agree with, 
but they don't trust you because of the process. So the, the first advice I would give you is share the process so that people that need to decide whether you are in a conflict of interest or not and whether you acted with uh, being influenced by that conflict of interest or not, let them see the process, let them see the outcome, let them decide whether they should trust you or not, whether you're biased or not. Now, this goes into two of the components. One is the in the what you do part, uh, and that's the uh, positivity. And specifically under positivity, the level of BS, especially when you uh, explain what you did or, or how you reached a certain decision. There is uh, whether you used confirmation bias. You know what? If, if confirmation bias affected you, I may not know that. But if your justification includes confirmation bias, I don't trust you. I'll go back to an example that I think I already gave three or four times in, in this podcast overall. And that is when one morning I woke up during the uh, probably the peak of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. One, I, I woke up 6.55 a.m. I was watching NBC. Local affiliate said that the uh, number of cases went down in Texas went down 60%. Number of COVID cases in Texas went down 60%. Five minutes later, 7 a.m., the uh, show turns, uh, switches to the uh, NBC Today show from New York, national uh, program. And the first thing that they said was that the number of uh, COVID cases, specifically in the South, specifically in Texas, went up 81%. And I thought to myself, wait a minute. I didn't even touch the remote control. I'm on the same channel. How can they tell me that the number of cases went down 60% and went up 81% within a span of five minutes? And you can't say that they're influenced politically or whatever because it's the same channel. It's, it's the same network, NBC. How did that happen? And I decided I'm going to dig into that because it obviously, that moment, my trust in that network went down. And I wanted to know why. So I looked at the CDC data, which apparently is where the data came from. And what I saw was that over the last month, the number of cases did go down 60%, but over the last week, it went up 81%. Both of them were correct. And in order to understand how this plays into confirmation bias, you have to go into what did they say after that. And the local affiliate, after saying that the number of cases went down 60%, they kind of justified the governor uh, banning mask mandates. Well, if the number of cases are 60% down, then why should there be a mask mandate, right? The national program said the cases went up 81%, and the next statement was... People, you need to get vaccinated. Now, saying that the number of cases went down 60% is not going to support that message. You need to get vaccinated. And the fact that it went up 81% did not support uh, banning a mask mandate. So they were selective. Both of them were selective in the data that they chose from the same source, the CDC. Here's the thing. I got it. I saw that. It caused loss of trust because I saw that you're using confirmation bias. Another component is the empathy. When you're making decisions in a position of conflict of interest, do you really care about me? How much do you care about me versus how much you care about how you're affected by the outcome? And I, and I will see that 
if I get visibility to the process and I see how you're thinking. Of course, one of the things that can happen, and that happens a lot, and I've seen that happen a lot, when somebody gives you all the justifications to go with one route, make a certain decision, and then they make the opposite decision. And you have to wonder, what just happened here? So if you give visibility to the process of making decisions and the outcome, and both of them make sense that, or, or indicate that you are not biased, that you're not influenced, then people will trust you. So that's the positivity. That, that's, that's how I trust you when you're in a conflict of interest situation based on what you do during the interaction, during the decision-making process. The other component is the who you are, the, the personality compatibility or incompatibility, where, again, it's how much do you care about yourself versus or, or other people that are not me? How much do you care about me? How much do you care about other people when you make those decisions? So the way you handle a conflict of interest affects my trust, my trust in you, because it's really your trustworthiness, mainly through two components. The positivity of your interaction or, or your behavior during the decision-making process and the personality compatibility component of who you are. So how do you handle a conflict of interest in a way that would keep you trustworthy, would help other people trust you. Well, the first is, in, in many cases, there's the law. And uh, the law would has certain requirements that really address how you handle conflict of interest. And if you do that not the way the law demands you do, then you get in trouble. You can go to jail or pay a fine or, or be removed from position or, or whatever. So in some cases, there is the law, and, and I gave you the example of executives selling or buying stock. Uh, and, and, you know, I was an executive, a, uh, an executive in public companies, which meant that uh, there was a higher level of scrutiny to what I do. There was also, because it was public, because other people owned equity, my decisions affected their stock price, but they also affected mine. Now... If I'm selling stock right before making a decision that would reduce the price of that stock, that was a conflict of interest. That was I acted in a conflict of interest to protect myself and not the public. If I bought stock ahead of knowing of a decision I'm about to make or something, an event that's about to happen, then I am in a conflict of interest again. The law creates things like blackout periods, uh, a form four, which is uh, how I uh, announce, how I have to announce every buy, every sell of stock so that people would know exactly what I did and, and therefore be able to decide whether I was in conflict of interest. And other government entities, uh, law enforcement can see if I was in a conflict of interest and, and how did I act on it. But 
There are also things like plans. I could never just go to my stock uh, stockbroker and say, sell my stock or uh, my company stock or buy company stock. I could do that with any other company, just not the company I was an executive in. Uh, so there are programs that automatically sell or buy over a certain, certain period of time. They have to be placed in advance for a very long period of time. Uh, by the way, even though that was happening... And, and you saw that happening with other executives. Public still doesn't buy it. They, they believe that you knew that this was happening and therefore you bought or you sold stock of the company. So there, there are legal requirements. Sometimes even those are not enough. But really what I wanted to talk about is not when the law tells you what to do, but how do you make those decisions? So the first question is, is there an actual conflict of interest? Now, you may be able to still make decisions and, and have them objectives, but when there is an actual conflict of the interest, it's harder. I, I want to just... Uh, put the actual conflict of interest against another type of, uh, I, I can't even call it conflict of interest because it's optical. It's not a real one. Sometimes there is something that appears to be a conflict of interest or you appear to be in a conflict of interest, which you're not really in. And I think one of the best stories I have in that was when I served on the school board and all of a sudden the school board had to buy or had a proposal to buy a facility that we wanted to buy from a person whose last name was Solomon, spelled exactly like mine, pronounced exactly like mine, have absolutely no relationship with that woman and i know the moment i said that that it sounded bad but i have absolutely no relationship with her uh known her very very briefly and uh i can't say that we're in touch we're, we're facebook friends but you know that's the scope of that I, we hardly ever communicate never knew her uh before but what i did know is that the owner of a building that the school board that I'm on is about to purchase has the same last name as mine. You tell me, if you're in the audience, if you're a taxpayer and you see that I voted in favor of buying a building from someone who has my last name to the letter, would you think that I'm in a conflict of interest? You probably would. And I thought that this was important enough for me to actually make a statement and say, look, I'm not going to recuse myself for a very simple reason. I don't have a relationship. I'm not related to that person that has my last name. I thought it was important to make that statement. And I voted in favor. And it was completely objective. It was completely unbiased. I did what was right for the district, for the students in the district, the, the employees of the district, taxpayers, parents, everybody. I did what was in their best favor, in be their best interest. There was no impact to me. There was no impact to the per to any person I know because that person is not related to me. So sometimes there is an optical conflict of interest, and you need to be aware of that. You need to be aware of, uh, and, and it is a tricky situation where you think that, uh, you know, you know that, that you're not in a conflict, in a real conflict of interest, but others might think that. 
you need to clarify it and and clarify it clearly enough so that people will understand that you were not and are not in a conflict of interest and your decisions are unbiased. So what do you do? First, disclose. If you are in a conflict of interest, and as I said, even if you are in an optical conflict of interest that's not real, but may appear to be, disclose it. Be transparent about it. The fact that you say, look, you know, I need you to know that I'm in a conflict of interest. Now, I'll talk about recusing yourself, but let's say that you're not. Just the fact that you're telling, that you're admitting to people, you're telling them, look, I'm about to make a decision. I do have a conflict of interest. The fact that you admit to that and and increase the transparency of your decision-making process buys you trust. It's very simple. The second I talked about that before, transparency of the process itself and the link to a logical outcome. The more people know how you considered what you considered, there was no confirmation bias. You are not selective in uh, choosing evidence or uh, or facts or or anything else. That that the outcome was logical to that decision. You increase your trustworthiness. Now, uh, how about recusing yourself? Well, I'm going to say that this one depends. I mean, my, my natural uh, tendency would be to recuse myself, to abstain. And, and often when we had a vote that I felt that I needed to abstain, I abstained and I made sure that that was captured, that I abstained. And I explained, by the way, why I abstained. Just so that you all know, I'm in a conflict of interest. As a result, I recuse myself. I didn't affect the outcome. But it, it bought me trust. By the way, and I said that it depends, uh, sometimes people are so focused on the outcome that if they like the alternative, or if I like a, a specific alternative, you're going to trust me more, even if I was in a conflict of interest. Uh, if I recused myself, You're going to trust me less because I didn't take care of your interests, not considering the fact that your interests go against other people's interests. So this this is where we get political. If you expect me to make a certain decision that would support your side of politics, and I recuse myself because I believe I'm in a conflict of interest, you will actually trust me less. Because I did not make a decision, I took away one vote that could have gone in your favor... Because I was in a conflict of interest. And and the opposite would be true. If I recused myself uh, from a decision that would not go your way, or as a result of me recusing myself, it did go your way, now you're going to trust me more. So recusing myself can affect trust in both directions, when people really care about the outcome and less about the process and about the um, me being unbiased and, and my, my real trustworthiness. Here's an interesting question. What if, if there is no alternative? I can't recuse myself. I have to make the decision. You know, sometimes not making a decision is making a decision. 
What do I do? I first, I think that the first thing that you must do is ask yourself, look in the mirror when there's nobody else around, can I really be objective? How do I make myself objective? Sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm the only person in the position to make the decision. So what? I'm going to recuse myself? So who's going to make the decision? And maybe by not making a decision, I did make a decision. I have to increase my own scrutiny, my own looking in the mirror and making sure that I'm doing it in an objective way and increase the transparency as much as I can. Look, I know that I'm in a conflict of interest. But that decision has to be made. I have to be making that decision. I am in a conflict of interest. You already know that. Here is the process. Here is what I'm considering. You can actually buy yourself trustworthiness by doing that when you don't have any other alternative and you have to be the person making that decision. You just cannot abstain. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops, online courses, books, or go to my website, trusthabits.com. And remember that the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.